Hello and welcome to Sense in the City. I'm Ruby Bookaboo, the co-founder and your Sydney host, and I'll be taking you on some sensory adventures in and around the Emerald City. Jake Ferguson is an archaeologist and a cultural educator at the Royal Botanic Gardens in Sydney. His work involves strengthening Australia's connection with First Nation knowledge and culture. Today I take his Bush Tucker tour. It's an hour of engaging stories, intriguing tastes and a strong hit of vitamin C. We taste bitter but revitalising berries, smell native ginger, drink lemon myrtle tea and sample a simple yet classic traditional dish, homemade jam on damper. We also learn how native plants are being used for shelter, food and medicine. It's fascinating. Afterwards, I sit down with Jake to discuss the tour, the importance of Indigenous knowledge for sustainability, and to get his tips on the best things to do in Sydney. His family has been in the region for thousands and thousands of years, so he's a pretty good source. I hope you enjoy the episode. So to begin with, thank you so much for having me on your tour. No, that's all right. That's all good. And I thought maybe uh, we could start with an acknowledgement to country. So would you like to do that? Yeah, perfect. So just in the sort of Sydney region, we have the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. So there's 29 different nations within this very small area of Sydney. So very uh, dense, populated, and each, each tribe has their own sort of uniqueness about them. Even though we're so close together, everything's... Um, different, all in different ways, different knowledge, different customs, ideals and sort of um, material culture and stuff like that as well. So yeah, I pay my respects to the Gagel people while I'm here and talking to you as well. Maybe we can talk about where we are. The Royal Botanic Gardens, this area was known as Farm Cove because um, this is a spot where Captain Philip first uh, pulled up and tried to establish his first forms of uh, European agriculture, I'd say, in terms of Australian agriculture, everyone has this idea that we weren't farming or doing anything like that, but it's our farming wasn't understood from their perspective. So in this area, Farm Cove is traditionally known as uh, Wakamagali, so that's the traditional Aboriginal name, and then as you move further over towards Circular Quay, just around the corner, is uh, called Warang, or Warang, which is a traditional name in Sydney, around that area. The Botanic Gardens is technically the oldest scientific institution in Australia and we do uh, amazing education programs with kids and stuff at the moment. Um, Tess, one of the people you met before, she did an amazing job with the um, a dementia clinic. So they found like a scientific study that um, when you bring in people with dementia and stuff uh, in with like nature and the environment, they ha- have like a stronger, better understanding and like ideals um, and like retention of memories and stuff. So. There's like all these amazing things we do here at the gardens. It doesn't just come from the public tours, but the sort of behind the scenes aspect. Mm. If you look at that little building over there, that's called the plant, plant clinic. Mm. So that they, inside of there, they're all botanists and scientists that are researching yeah, fungi, plants, trees, looking into the science of yeah, protection, mm. protecting the environment. Yeah. And today we did the bush tucker tour. So yeah. we took an hour and you took us around uh, to taste different plants, tell us which plants were poisonous if we yeah, ate them, yeah. <laughs> and give us a few stories. So, so maybe you can tell me a little bit about what happens on this tour. Each tour guide has their own sort of um, things you do. You can come on a tour with uh, me, and I would do a completely different tour from someone like uh, Darren, who I was talking about earlier, who's from the Wiradjuri people. And then we have um, 
uh, two ladies were from uh, the Kukuyanji tribe and uh, far northeastern Queensland. So everyone has their own perspectives and you can get a different idea of medicine, taste, smells and fruit and like food or bush tucker. That's all different. Um, in terms of my tour, I don't really stay on tracks. I sort of just go wherever I feel like going because there's so much here as, as we were going on tour how I would walk past something and then double back around because I spotted a plant which I grew up around as a, as a kid and got told stories about. Yeah, mainly just understanding the Aboriginal culture because mainly with our culture we're connected with the environment. We don't have any of this sort of uh, predominance in like built history and stuff like this. Most of my people's recordings are through oral traditions. Our history is recorded through dance, uh, dream time stories, and I'm expressing knowledge that my grandfather, grandmother have learnt from their elders going downwards for thousands of years. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. On the uh, City of Sydney website, it said Sydney's a vibrant city with an ancient heartbeat. Yeah, Which yeah. I thought was really nicely put. Yeah. So, uh, how do you think we can access that ancient heartbeat and why is it important? It's, it's everywhere you look but you can't really see it. In terms of built history, obviously this is where the English first arrived in Australia. So you've got all these things. You walk down the street, you'll see a statue of Lachlan Macquarie. Like you'll see these barracks, Hyde Park barracks, things like this. But when we're talking about like Aboriginal history, you have to delve a bit deeper into it as well in terms of my people sort of expressing knowledge and uh, providing education around the area we're a bit more harder to find in that sort of sense whereas like material structures and buildings right away you'll be able to see how old they are and things like this when i'm when my people are describing uh different aspects of stuff we're just like describing them we don't, we don't put dates and stuff like this because this is just knowledge that we've just learnt about. So Sydney as a whole is an ancient city and need to talk and learn about the landscape and the stories from the elders. So we've learnt through all of our history and stuff is recorded through places. So even though now we have different places, like we have like Woolloomooloo over there, which was used as a, an initiation ceremony for men, which you can walk over to Woolloomooloo now and all you'll see is buildings, city building. It's not about the, the location, the built history and stuff you can see. You need people to tell you about what was there beforehand. Through, through stories. Through, through stories, through dance, art. through art. Um, all of it is presented in a way that isn't in the form of something like Australian Museum, like Great Place and stuff like that. But I feel real knowledge of the city comes from learning it from an Indigenous person who's been here or learnt from their elders about the city. So this is obviously an amazing cultural experience uh, of Sydney to do this tour that you've done. Yeah. What are, if people want to engage in Indigenous history and culture and present culture, what are other ways in Sydney that people can get involved? Starting to progressively build up. Like once upon a time, like you could have struggled to find something like this. But we have things like the, uh, the markets at La Perouse where we um, have markets there every like, like once a month. We have places, my, my grandfather used to do um, boomerang throwing and stuff at, the, um, at La Perouse where um, he was from. It's not about finding a sanctioned place, 
because I think that the Botanic Gardens here, you come in, you book a tour, you know it's going to be here every week. Whereas most stuff, if you want to learn about Indigenous culture in the city, you have to go on Facebook, online, find, be there at the right time. It's just up to up to you to sort of research it. Yeah, you've got to like, look for it. Yeah, you've got to yeah. look for it. You've got to discover it. I think that's part of the fun of of actually travelling because you will you will come across all these sorts of things. There's um, landscapes and different areas with stories like such as Barangaroo. You've got uh, like the Karingai National Park. Mm. Yeah, so you've got all those things up there. You've got all those like amazing engravings and stuff. Beautiful environment, and you have lots of indigenous like national park ranges getting connected with indigenous culture that's starting to get built up that's a bit of research yeah. i'd like to do some uh, tribal warrior tours yeah a lot of my uncles and aunties and stuff have been connected with tribal warrior yeah because they do it they do a tour on a on a boat they also do yeah. a redfern tour yeah they do a redfern tour they're they're around all over the place we have um one of the tribal warrior guys come in here and do some do some teaching and stuff every now and then as well We've got um, around here not just Tribal Warrior, we have um, the Community Green team that works here. We have um, a few Indigenous people running that and go into um, areas with low sort of um, socioeconomic areas mm. and they'll plant and create new like native gardens and stuff mm. like that. They'll bring in native Australian bees and stuff and sort of make it like, um, like a mini like self-sustaining like ecosystem mm. sort of gardens. So, either like the elderly or people who can't really regu regularly like water or look after their plants mm -hmm. they can yeah so like there's lots of these programs and initiatives going on at the moment which mm -hmm. I see is looking like Sydney could evolve into more of a a place which indigenous history is at the at the forefront of mm -hmm. it yeah because you're I know you're quite passionate about sustainability and yeah. what we can learn from from indigenous culture and and land management yeah so yeah. do you want to talk a bit about that uh, my people um, using fire farming and stuff like this back burning as we had horrible bushfires here in australia we had even those uh, some of the californian bushfires were started by australian like eucalyptus trees as well um so we have things like the fire stick alliance which they they've started up recently and they're um they've been they do sort of managing like different lands and stuff and backburning in traditional ways. Mm -hmm. And then once they've backburned, the area turns into green, luscious, like beautiful places and otherwise would have either been hit or struck by bushfires. Mm -hmm. And it's just like using our knowledge over these thousands of years we've been here, like we know so much about the environment. And I think as time pro progresses and it's accepted that Indigenous people know how to manage the land. I mm. feel like more and more um, of, of Australia will benefit that benefit from it, particularly the environment. We have lots of national parks, uh, wildlife uh, Indigenous people as well, mm. and they sort of come into national parks and provide a, like an Indigenous insight into the area, not just seen through sort of a non-Indigenous person's lens, because mm. as they're walking through a park they could be an amazing scientist horticulturalist botanist and see a plant or tree for it's like genus or what family it's from mm -hmm. but as an indigenous person there's a story a meaning behind 
every plant. Mm. Like, you were saying in the tour that there were so many different uses for the same plant. There's something that you can make a bed out of, you can eat it, you can uh, get rid of your toxins. And yeah, you yeah. Can <laughs> yeah. And Australia's environment is very unique in the whole world. And the uniqueness of Australia's environment combined with Australia, like Indigenous Australians being the oldest living culture on earth, the combined of the two of those just creates this amazing knowledge of the environment and an environment that is so different to, to the rest of the world. So that's why I, I said here we have things like the, um, like Davidson Plum, the Lemon Myrtle, all these things have amazing different aspects to them, but it's the indigenous people that found out about them. There could be more stuff like this, say, in the Amazon. There could be amazing plants out there, something that can cure cancer or but You said that one like of the that. ones, the one of the plants we looked at, you said is... Uh, yeah, can, so um, the um, Morton Bay chestnut, the black bean, which was typically used as a bread or um, damper um, creation, which is sort of this quite a large nut that's um, poisonous. But the indigenous people of the area use the poison in terms of uh, sickness and stuff. But then after scientists got involved with the studying of the poison, it was found that it made a breakthrough in uh, one of the researchings for, for AIDS. Mm. So um, in terms of that, I'm sure it's still being researched and hopefully can make even more breakthroughs. My, one of my best friends, um, he's from uh, Warabinda, from the Gungaloo tribe. His father is um, working with the University of Queensland to mm. look at this plant called Gumby Gumby. And Gumby Gumby actually, um, with using the plant, it actually attacks some cancer cells in your body. So hopefully with the usage of that and the, so indigenous knowledge and science working together as one, we can find all these amazing things. And as I said to you, the black bean is, we need to look after the environment now, because the environment, if we keep looking into it, will provide more and more stuff for us. Like, it's, mm. yeah, it's pretty amazing. Why are you so passionate about this, this work and teaching people about oh, the plants and the benefits? The Timbery family, who's, um, who I'm, which I'm from, we were sort of the first people to interact and teach non-Indigenous people about our culture. So we were um, boomerang throwers and uh, weapon and artifacts people from out La Perouse. People would come over. Um, so when the Queen came over, she came over and visited. <laughs> to <a> yeah. boomerang. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then like even like Abba, the Beatles, all of them came out there. My, um, so even with my language, the Dural language, we have uh, my great, great, great grandmother, Queen Emma Timbre, she was called. So she worked with an anthropologist to record most of my language. A lot of our language can, can be seen as like almost lost. So I think like, um, I'm, I'm trying as hard as I can to, to learn, learn more as uh, much as I can. Is there a phrase or a couple of words you could teach me? Learning a word or a, or a phrase could be easily associated with something else if I mispronounce it or... You have to be really or, careful. Yeah, yeah, so I... I, I Is there one word that you know how to pronounce that I can learn? Oh, so, um, or even as we're walking before, there's a few ducks around, so Wombara. Wombara. Wombara is one of them. So even in, um, you have our kangaroos as well, Ruwa. 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 Ruwa, yeah. If you had someone coming from overseas and you wanted to give them 
the perfect 24 hours in Sydney from morning to night, what would be the itinerary? Go watch the sunrise on like one of our lovely beaches. Which beach? Places like like Coogee, Maroubra, uh, La Perouse where my family's from and it'll be less crowded, there's more nature around at La Perouse as well. You can go on a lovely uh, bushwalk and come to these like like rocky headlands and you'll be able to see like just a, a perfect view and then in summertime if you're if it's hot go for a swim and one of those locations would be perfect mm. my archaeology background would send me probably towards the Australian Museum or our lovely little art gallery that's just been renovated I'd probably come for a, a stroll around the gardens to be honest just because it eat some bush tucker in the yeah, garden. Yeah. <laughs> so it sort of like feels like home but also um, just so fresh and vibrant and like from here it's a good place to even head head towards further into the city. Where would go you for have, dinner. Where would you eat? Where would I eat? If I'm not eating here, I'd yeah, I'd go like anywhere in terms of like Darling Harbour or like the rocks, Barangaroo sort of areas, sort of like the fine dining sort of areas or even if I wasn't feeling fine dining, I'd probably go like Chinatown or something like that. There's mm, a lot of favourite restaurants. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah a couple of like Korean barbecue places and <laughs> like stuff around there that are like quite amazing. Uh, and if we went through Sydney through the senses, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you think Sydney and sights? And sights. If you catch a ferry to um, Watson's Bay, um, as you're coming on the boat, it'll turn and come back around and then if you go to the back of the boat you'll be on the water and you'll see the Sydney Harbour Bridge, the Opera House, all this lovely water and um, North Sydney as well all alongside. Once you get on that ferry it, like I, I think most of the time when I go out to like Watson's Bay or somewhere like that I feel like I enjoy the boat ride more than actually getting there. Yeah yeah. yeah. Amazing. Okay so sounds? Just the chatter and excitement of people hanging around sort of the circular key area, seeing all these sites, everyone has like sort of like a different tone in their voice, sort of like a tone of like like excitement, mm -hmm. sort of. Yeah, cockatoos is a good one. Um, they always seem to show up at the right moments while I'm doing my tour. <laughs> yeah, so I'll start talking and then all of a sudden a pack of like 50 cockatoos will land on a tree right in front of me. And then where I live, a bit further, further south, um, is rainbow lorikeets. Mm. They've got a very um, distinct, distinct sort of like chirping sound. Yeah. Mm. Uh, okay. What about uh, smells? I think here would be the the main place. Every time I leave the gardens, there's a different smell I have, like sort of associated with it. I have like the lemon myrtle lemon I'm myrtle. showing you. I think that's probably the one thing I come back smelling the most like, like lemon myrtle or eucalyptus and sorts of those, those sorts of smell which are predominantly in this area as well. You just need to yeah, look around and find them. But I feel like, yeah, if you're after smells, this would be the main place. Even as you're walking around the gardens, you feel the, the oxygen mm. is different here. Definitely, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. one of my favorite places to come. And also today I was like, oh no, it's raining. And I, actually, it was actually good that it was raining because all the smells yeah, came the out sm of the plants. The, the smells come out regardless of temperature, sunny, raining, building down it, it doesn't matter it's yeah it's still beautiful it's fresh smell after the rain it's yeah yeah nice. okay so taste taste oh 
Sydney's quite multicultural in that sense. There's so many variations of food and just everywhere that you can go and try. One of the most recent restaurants I tried was Bush at Redfern. Wild animals that are pests, <laughs> like pests and feral in the environment. Okay. That they bring them into their restaurant and then create like amazing foods. What animals? The, like wild pig. Yeah. Like a rabbit? Rabbit. Bush well, turkey? Yeah, like probably. I, I can't remember the entire menu. But um, yeah, just the way they did it. They also like added stuff like the Warrigal Greens I, I was showing you. And they like incorporate, yeah, native ingredients. That's probably one of the most unique sort of um, restaurants and places I've, I've tasted something, yeah. I've still got the taste of that um, bitter plum, what was it? Oh, the Davidson plum. The Davidson plum, which is really yeah. bitter, but then afterwards, it actually, you feel quite fresh. Vitamin C inside of it is, yeah, as I said, you need to add like, yeah, two or three oranges to compare to it. I come in early and look around for them and I'll have those for breakfast. So like they're like such amazing fruits. After your first bite, you feel it's quite sour. Mm -hmm. After your, your second, it's amazing. I still have, it's kind of sweet now. Yeah, afterwards. yeah. I taught one of the horticulturalists here about about them. And then as I walk past the tree, I'll see him picking them <laughs> up and eating one. them. And I'm like, hey, what are you doing? Leave some for my tour. Like, <laughs> but um, I feel like, yeah, the Davidson plum is something I always leave like taste that sticks in my mouth of coming coming back from work from the gardens mm, and yeah. is it something that people can can you buy jam with it or something yeah you can order some online but yeah they're quite hard to find as i was saying on our tour like they would have been quite predominant but yeah the lack of cassowaries and the distribution the general destruction of the environment which is quite common nowadays has just made it yeah quite less prevalent than what it would have been mm. uh okay so what about touch the touch of water, I think, um, like just going for a swim. Our beaches are, are lovely. There's so many different ones here. There's you've got places like, as I was saying, when I was on that ferry to to Watson's Bay, which you, you get there, you can go on a walk, and you go for a swim. I think it's uh, Milk Beach, mm. and you go into Milk Beach, and your backdrop is like Sydney, the whole of Sydney Harbour, like in front of you. And then you go to, you go out to say Coogee or Maroubra and you go for a swim and then they've got like lovely like restaurants and cafes like just behind them. Or then you can go to La Perouse mm. and go for a swim there. Normally it's freezing cold, a bit oh. different, but that's the way, <laughs> that's the way I like uh, my water. I, um, Refreshing. Yeah, yeah, because uh, down on the south coast where um, a lot of my family is from as well, you go down there and the, like, the, like Jervis Bay, mm. it is literally the coldest water yeah, you can touch. Yeah. Like yeah, this, this side of mm. yeah, Australia. Yeah. And finally, the sixth sense. The indigenous knowledge of the area. When you're in Sydney, you do have an understanding of that beforehand there was a lot more spirituality. Well, there, there still is, there still is. Like you just need to find it, as I was saying. Like these areas, you come into Sydney, you go, you come here to the gardens, you go to Bulamaloo areas at like Maroubra, La Perouse. When you go there, they're amazing sites, amazing buildings, but you also feel and feel like a connection to the past as well. And how do you tap into that? Oral history, like an elder or like a lands council or something that's going on at the present time, like finding like me here or an elder 
like teaching around at some other part of our land. It's just the research and knowledge of the area of what it once was and what the Indigenous people would have used that area for as well. Yeah, so I think in, in the back of your mind, there's always sort of like a connection to that, even if you're not um, Indigenous, I feel, yeah. Uh, any last thoughts about why for you Sydney is so special? The prevalence now of Indigenous culture being at the forefront now, I feel like there's more and more of that happening in Sydney and I feel like the connection to Sydney sort of comes from like my family um, having been here and the history that surrounds it. The history of Sydney is tied with my family, is one in one. So I feel like yeah, my connection to Sydney runs runs back thousands of years, so um, that's why I love this place so much. And your best possible future? As my culture becomes more and more told about and talked about, there's going to be more people like, like you and the people, even just the people coming on my tour. There's a reason why the people came on my tour in the first place. It's because they want to learn more about Indigenous culture. And I feel like as time progresses, it's just going to be more and more of that and hopefully uh, more and more Indigenous people can come out and start their own companies and businesses that will provide services like what we're doing here at Botanic Gardens. And I feel like the more and more of that there is, I feel Australia can, not just, yeah, not just Sydney, but Australia can become better like, as a country, yeah. Mm. Well, thank you so much. It was one of the best things I've done in Sydney and I grew up here. Yeah. <laughs> it was really amazing. <laughs> a, a lot of people don't, don't realise it. I know, I'm yeah. like, why have I not done this before? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone that comes to Sydney should definitely put this on the top of their list, I think. Yeah, of course. <laughs> people look at Sydney, if you look at it from like a map perspective, you see all these built buildings and then like, what is that giant green patch like right in the middle? Uh, that, that's the gardens. That's the gardens. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much. And I will be back and do the, there's also an, there's also an Indigenous heritage tour. There's a heritage tour. Yeah. It's amazing. And all of this is being done so people can come in and enjoy the Botanic Gardens. Mm. Yeah. And breathe well. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much. I'll be back to do that other tour too. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Sense in the City, Sydney with Jake Ferguson. Find out more about the gardens or book a tour with Jake at their website. You can also find the links to places that Jake mentions in our show notes. Go to our website, senseinthe.city forward slash Sydney or any podcast app. And clips from Jake's Bush Tucker tour will be on Instagram at Sense in the City, Sydney or on Facebook at Sense in the City World. Sense in the City.